Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve a temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We all like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do not hide your face for me in the day of distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The royal banners forward go, the cross shows forth redemption's flow, where he by whom our flesh was made, our ransom in his flesh was paid. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, graciously behold this your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for Good Friday is written in the 52nd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the 13th verse. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many as were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond the children of men. And so he sprinkled many nations. Kings shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they have heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and, by, and as for this generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken from the transgression of my people, 
And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was, has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be acquainted with righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. And yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Who has believed what they have heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The epistle lesson is written in the fifth chapter of St. Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, beginning at the 14th verse. For the love of Christ controls us, because he has concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, through whom Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart. Stir up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent's, and under the lips of the venom is asp. Guard me, O Lord, from the hand of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me, and with the cords they spread a net. Beside the way they have set snares for me. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. He will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name, and the upright shall dwell in your presence.
the gospel is written in the 18th chapter of St. John, beginning at the first verse. And Jesus went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where he was, there was a garden in which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met with his disciples there. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said unto them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered them, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. Of those whom thou gavest me, I lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said unto Peter, Put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given unto me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews seized Jesus and bound him. And first led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And it was Caiaphas who had given the counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did, the, the, did, the, did another disciple. And as this disciple was known to the high priest, he entered the court of the high priest along with Jesus, while Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the maid who kept the door, and brought Peter in. And the maid who kept the door said unto Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. And Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest also questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. And Jesus answered him. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me. What I said unto them, they know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Annas then sent bound to Caiaphas and the high, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing, warming himself, and they said unto him, are you not also one of this man's disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the cock crowed. And then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas into the praetorium. It was early. And they themselves did not enter the praetorium so that they might not be defiled but might eat the Passover. And so Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, 
If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said unto them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus had spoken to show by what death he was to die. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered him, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate then said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, for this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to be a witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no fault in him. If you have, yeah, but you have a custom that I should release one man to you at Passover. Will you have me released for you, the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Not this man, but Barabbas! Now Barabbas was a murderer. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and arrayed him in a purple robe and came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out again and said unto them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. So Jesus again came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he has made himself out to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard these words, he was more afraid, and entered the praetorium again and said unto Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said unto him, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who has delivered me to you has the greater sin. Again, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend, for everyone who makes himself a king sets himself up against Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out. He sat down in the judgment seat at the place called the pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. And it was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And then they handed him over to be crucified. This is the gospel of the Lord.
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Sweet lips now, side lips sleepy. 
So Pilate sat down in his judgment chair, the arms with a grip that whitened his knuckles. For some moments, he pondered the issue. How the Sanhedrin could have given a complex case like that of Jesus a fair hearing in a brief interval since Pilate had received the note which promised it, he could not fathom. And the death penalty. He wanted the death penalty. For what? Why did they want the death penalty? Well, it's not really surprising to, to Pilate. I mean, they did hate this supposed prophet. But was it expedient considering Caiaphas's concern about rioting and social unrest in the city? Kill the prophet and disorder would break out. And then without advance word to confront him like this. And finally, the implication, don't bother judging him, Pilate. You wouldn't be qualified. It's a religious case. Just countersign the execution order like a good prefect. But I will, he decided. I will judge the case thoroughly. And so Pilate looked down from his dais where Jesus was stationed directly in front of him. There were Pharisees and Sadducees behind and on each side of him, scribes and, and priests, about 200 in number, including the temple guard and and the crowd was growing outside, becoming restless a bit. But Pilate had already instructed the centurion to get more soldiers up from the cohort, but keep them hidden just in case. But only one face in the rising lake of humanity really intrigued Pilate. He scrutinized the figure immediately in front of him, a trifle disappointed. Still, the, tall effect, the, the, the erect, tallish figure seemed to speak eloquently through his eyes. They were tired, but they were not the eyes of a prisoner. He wasn't afraid, he wasn't angry, he wasn't vengeful, he wasn't fearful, he wasn't vindictive or threatening. Pilate had seen all kinds of eyes in, in, in prisoners before. He had sentenced many to death, hundreds to death, since he'd been a magistrate. Because the Romans used death for a lot of things. But when he looked into Jesus' eyes, he really saw only serenity, without a trace of disappointment or resignation. It was almost like, like this prisoner was the one really in charge, and they were all on trial. He was really the one in charge. 
And so he turned to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests, and he said unto them in common Greek, Tina kategorion, therete kata tu anthropu tutu. In other words, what charge do you bring against this man? And when the priests heard this, the Sadducees heard this, they knew that Pilate wasn't just going to sign and rubber stamp an order, but that he was opening what's called in, in Latin an interrogatio, a real trial. He was opening his own hearing. Yes, I'm going to try this man thoroughly. He wasn't just going to take the Jews' word for it. Well, that's at least Paul Myers' take um, with a little bit of embellishment for me um, on um, how it begins, the, the Pilate, Jesus' trial by Pilate. You know, the relationship between the Jews and the, and the, um, the Romans was always a bit nuanced, and that they never really liked each other very much. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus is put on trial and then sentenced to death for nothing. He did nothing wrong, at least in the eyes of the world. And it's interesting, too, because we often think that Pontius Pilate and the Romans were hostile to Jesus. They weren't really. They weren't really. In his ministry, he faced a lot of opposition, but always from his own people. And now he stands before the Roman incarnation of worldly power, the personal representative of the emperor himself, because that's what the procurator is of Judea, because Judea is literally the emperor's personal, like, estate. And everybody in Judea is a tenant to the Roman emperor. And it's like, like some of us live on common land in Fairhope. We're all tenants to the colony, right? If you live on common land, colony land. And the same thing is true in Judea. All, everybody basically lived on the emperor's estate, and the procurator represents the emperor. And, and, and so sometimes this, this is sort of seen as a duel between the religious and secular authorities. But that's not really how it is. Yeah, later on in Revelations, the Roman government is seen as hostile to the church, but not yet. No, in fact, the Romans never asked for Jesus' death. It's always the Jews. In fact, Pontius Pilate is really favorable to Jesus. And he tries throughout this entire dialogue to acquit him. Tries. That's why three different times, what does Pilate say to the crowds and to the Sadducees and Pharisees and Jesus' accusers? He says, I find no fault in him. In John 18, 38. I find no fault in him. John 19, 4. You take him and crucify him. I find no fault in him. John 19, 6. And yet, he's crucified. Why? Why? You know, why does Pilate allow Jesus, who he clearly sees as innocent, to be scourged and mocked and finally crucified anyways? I mean, really, I mean, with a, with a guy that much on your side, who do you, how do you need enemies, right? <laughs> Pilate yeah, literally says in John 19, 4, I find no fault. And the find no fault in, in Greek literally means, like, I find no case. There's just no case. He's done nothing wrong that I can punish him for. And then why the mockery? Why the, why the crown of thorns? Why the purple robe? Why the reed in his hand? Why all the, the, the fake genuflect? The hail, you know, hail king of the Jews. You know, Ave, king of the Jews. Why all that, right? Well, I think Pilate permitted it because he was trying to demonstrate to those who were there how harmless Jesus was. He was trying to show the world that Jesus really is a pathetic, funny figure, if, if you will. I mean, the Romans played very rough, but that's how they viewed him. He's pathetic. He's harmless. 
couldn't harm, harm anyone, right? And that's why when they asked for Barabbas, he says, look, look, here is your king. <laughs> Shall I crucify your king? He's harmless. There's nothing he can do. In other words, what, what the scriptures are trying to show us here, one of the, the couple of themes here is the theme of innocence and observation. The scriptures here, the scripture reading for, 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 for Good Friday is trying to get us to see the reality of Jesus, that he's innocent and he's also harmless. To see who Jesus really is. See, because the problem is we don't see who God is. We don't see who Jesus is. We, we have a caricature in our mind of who he is, but we really don't see him. We really don't see the scriptures. We really don't see the things of God. And so now we're being called upon in today's gospel lesson to see and observe as members of the crowd. Because that's really where we are in this narrative. When you hear the crowds yelling, crucify him, crucify him, understand, you're not observers, you are in the crowd. You and I, we are the ones screaming for Jesus' death. Because it is our sins that put Jesus in front of Pilate. It is our sins that require Jesus to go to the cross. Therefore, it is our sins that put us in that crowd. We are not observers. No, we're participants. And that's disturbing, isn't it? Disturbs me. Very disturbing. And yet, Jesus, what does he do? He stands there and he endures it. He, he allows what appears to be the greatest historical miscarriage of justice to occur. Why? Because Jesus wants this to happen. Because Jesus is actually the one in charge. He is not a victim. He is the maestro making this requiem occur. He is. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because Jesus said, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, and greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No longer do I call you servants. And really, the word in Greek is slave. For a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you. And appointed you, that you should bear fruit that your fruit should remain in whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you these things I command you, to love one another. And so really what's going on in today's lesson is Jesus is standing before Pilate and before the crowds and the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the temple guard and all the people crying for his death, which includes us, because he loves us. As he is crowned in thorns, and wearing that purple robe and, robe and bleeding from hundreds of scourge wounds. And, and the people are crying, away with him, crucify him, away with him. We have no king but Caesar. He is there, not defending himself, standing like a sheep before his shearers. Is silent. Why? Because he loves us. And he's doing it because he is guilty. Not with his own guilt. Because Pilate's right. I find no fault in him. But he's guilty with our guilt. He carries our guilt. And that's why he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. For when we look at him, what do we see? 
Why, why don't we want to see the passion? Why, why do so many Christians find the crucifix repugnant, offensive? Because the crucifix is offensive. It is offensive to see Jesus, the Son of God, being crucified. But he's there because of our sins. Our sins are offensive. And so when we hear the crowd shrieking for Jesus' death, it is not only we who are shrieking for his death because we are sinful, it is also God's law that is shrieking for Jesus' death. It is also God's law being echoed in the voice of the crowds because God's law demands that the soul that sins shall die and the wages of sin is death and the guilty must be punished and there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so Pilate correctly finds no fault in Jesus and yet he also correctly sentences Jesus to be crucified because Jesus is innocent of himself but he is guilty the most guilty man who ever stood before a magistrate carrying our sins that's what was going on in the garden of Gethsemane it's not mentioned in today's gospel it's in Matthew's gospel but in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus prayed father if it is possible let this cup pass from me but not as my my will but as thou willest and he drank down the cup of our unrighteousness that Peter tried to prevent him from drinking in our gospel lesson. So that's why he stands before Pilate in our guilt. And that's why he suffers upon the cross and he is put to death. It's for our iniquities. That's why he is nailed to the cross. Jesus voluntarily sacrificed himself. And that's why when Pilate cross-examined him, Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And this is the reason why Jesus answered, you could have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. In other words, Pilate, you're just playing your role. The verdict's been predetermined. Christ himself in his word says that he was slain before the foundations of the earth. No, Pilate could not give any other verdict than take him and crucify him. And when you look at it, often people look at this account in, in John 18 and 19, they go, oh, you know, Pilate crumbled to political pressures. Well, he did. But that's not why Jesus was crucified. It had to happen that way because Jesus willed it to happen that way. It was God's will that was done. When Jesus was crucified on the cross in the darkness of noon when there was no eclipse. And Jesus makes it very clear ahead of time that that would happen. Jesus said in Mark, the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the, and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And again, in Matthew 16, Jesus had told the disciples that, that, that from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, that he must be killed, and on the third day, raised to life. It wasn't like Jesus hid it from them. In other words, Jesus' death, according to God's saving will, must proceed before the resurrection can happen, so that when we die, our deaths will only then become temporary, that we too, on the last day, the eschatos, Hey, Maros, we too will be raised from our graves. 
Because if God is not raised, as St. Paul said, then we are of all men most miserable. But Jesus did die on the cross. And before he gave up his ghost, he said of sin, death, and the devil, he said it is finished. It's finished. Because it is finished, when we die, we are not finished. But our life really just begins in paradise. That's the reason why Jesus turned to the man next to him and said, Today you will be with me in the paradise. And so it is true for us. That when we die, we who have been born again through the water and the spirit of Christ, we too who have tasted Christ's body and blood, we too know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the day of our death becomes the day we enter, enter, enter heaven with Jesus. Yes, because of Christ's death upon the cross and because of his resurrection on Easter, I can say to you, as St. Paul said to the Thessalonians, that I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that fall asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, according to the Lord's words. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore in 